Hello, 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 and welcome to the Vagabond Way podcast. The journey goes ever on with the long road. This episode, no synths. That's right, you'll find no synths in this week's episode, or probably any episode for that matter. Um, a meeting was called, The Long Road Met, to discuss one of the fundamentals of our approach, sticking to acoustic instruments only. No synths, no electric instruments really, but listen on to find out more. Kev Moore tells us of discoveries at a secret record store in Genoa, Italy, and Steve Bonham's Vagabond Diary entry takes us somewhere that doesn't exist. The Vagabond Way podcast featuring The Long Road is exploring the world of the troubadour, the adventurer, the vagabond. The world isn't beige, it isn't processed, it's authentic, it's rich and it's real. If those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up, then hop on board. We are embracing all of those things, we're celebrating all of that, and we'd love it if you joined us on the journey. Greetings, I am Chris the Bish Leiden, and welcome to this week's Listening P-A-R-T-Y, wherever in the world you are. Uh, a jam-packed episode for you this week, so just a brief intro from me. You know, the usual reminders, check out the uh, the Transatlantic Connection show on YouTube for great interviews and songs with artisan musicians. Hear from people in the industry about the current state of things, uh, and if you actually want to see the Long Road's faces, we have a little bit each episode too, uh, and in fact, the, uh, the next episode that's coming out next week, you will see the Long Road all together all three of us how exciting uh, anyway on to today's podcast hashtag content as you heard in the opening intro the the long road this week are discussing why we're sticking to our rule of acoustic instruments only there was some chit chat at the end of the segment you're about to hear which i decided to excise as it perhaps went too waffly even for the long road standards we stumbled upon well i say we steve bonham stumbled upon a new acronym which summed up our style of music ham H-A-M, heavy acoustic music. Um, Kev did agree that sometimes we ham it up, but I suppose we're not (laughs) convinced that ham as a term will stick. Um, But who knows? The other thing we talked about, which I got rid of, along the same lines as heavy metal, it's uh, another term that we've been dropping into things over the course of this year, heavy wood. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this slogan turns up on a, a t-shirt on our merch table at gigs in 2021. 2021, oh, that sounds funny now I say it out loud, um, but I suppose it's only a few weeks away now. Here's hoping, you know, we can actually do gigs and stuff. Anyway, I'm going to hand over to myself now for our regular three-way chat between Kev Moore, Steve Bonham and myself. Here we go. <laughs> Podcasters, here we are, the three of us are together again, the long road together again through our digital chat. Uh, we've got Steve at home in Derbyshire. Hello, Steve. How you doing? Hey, up, me duck. Regional introduction achieved. Good. Uh, and Kev, you're actually in the UK as well. You're in Derbyshire as well. How are I'm you also doing? in Derbyshire. I'm very well, thanks, Chris. Yeah. Now, Kev sent me and Steve a message. He wanted to convene a meeting to discuss something. So I'm going to hand over to Kev, and Kev's going to tell us what this is all about. Yes, well, basically, chaps, why acoustic? <laughs> the, the, re, the reason I raise this, um, one of the songs we've been working on, which by the time you hear this, dear listener, will probably be in its final form. Having, having we'll, have, we'll, have re- we'll, we'll have recorded it. We'll have recorded it. It'll be, it'll be a, a fait accompli, whatever it ends yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, 
I had a sort of a electric, very clean, but an electric guitar part for, <laughs> for this for this particular song, uh, because I'm I'm currently very inspired by Jim Capilongo, who plays with Nora Jones in the Little Willies Band, an amazing player. I, I mentioned this briefly to Steve. I, I got a look of great disapproval from him. <laughs> sharp intake of breath. And he said, you know, I think we, maybe we can manage it on, a, on an acoustic. And, and I did actually think to myself, well, you know, I mean, it was like Queen with their first four or five albums. They, they used to print on it quite proudly, no synthesizers, you know, which they, didn't, mm. they, they wouldn't use. I'm probably answering my own question in a way by thinking, yeah, because it makes, if you don't go that route, I'm not saying it's easier to play on, on electric, but it makes you work harder acoustically to a, try and achieve the same goal I guess yeah um, and I suppose yeah I'm, I'm throwing it out there what what is it about about us uh, staying true to the acoustic uh, vibe that informs our music helps us create helps us be more creative I suppose it's really unusual for me being in the role of being a policeman uh, <laughs> nothing's ever happened before <laughs> and certainly won't happen again <laughs> um, for me, the, the the acoustic thing is well, a number of things, I guess. Number one is that one. Actually, it makes you work harder and not sound like other people. And I always remember years ago that I came across some people and they were in, they were advertising people for. This is going somewhere, by the way. They were advertising people in the beer industry in Russia, right? And Russia has a huge problem with alcoholism. One of the ways they were trying to... It was kind of strange thing. But basically, they said, if you're going to do an advert for alcohol, there must be no people in it or animals. They saw where that could go. (laughs) (laughs) PG Uh, tips, we're looking at you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Plastered chimps. (laughs) (laughs) You're making Smirnoff. Uh, (laughs) Oh, sorry, we've got a side. I can see a, a great new advert there. <laughs> where, where was I? Oh, yeah. Um, animals, or in fact, anything moving. I've got the adverts they produced, and they are, bizarrely, some of the most sexy, sensuous adverts you've ever seen. And there's no people in it. I mean, it sounds a bit pervy. It's not pervy. You know, it's just really (laughs) clever. And then I talked to them and they said, it was brilliant. Because we could do all these things, we had to work a lot harder. And I think we've done that. I mean, so that would be one bit of answer. A second answer is, I guess for me, I personally have always loved loud acoustic music. My acoustic sensibility comes from early Rod Stewart and Mandolin Wind, and there was so much acoustic instrument over there. You know, the drums really being played loud and not put through all sorts of filters and things. You know, the bands like Lindisfarne at the time, you know, they were just really heavy. It feels raw, it feels immediate. And I suppose the, the, the thing about the acoustic instruments for me, is that perhaps they speak more directly to the, the human soul than it might be if it's something that's going through a, 
an amp. Um, yes. that there is there is this sort of connection between the fingers on the strings of a guitar and then the production of the sound, and it's it's sort of immediate. Your brain accepts it as a natural thing, and I wonder whether that's part of the appeal for me. I mean, obviously, we break the rule ourselves a little bit. Yes, can I throw the, in the word uh, Hammond there, Chris? Yeah, I mean <laughs> that, that the the Hammond organ, which I think we'd all be hard pushed to activate if we didn't have an electricity supply. Um, I don't fancy pushing the bellows on one of those to make to make that. <laughs> Well, yes, I mean, it's it's related to the harmonium, you know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You can see where it comes from, you know. Back in the day, you could could absolutely employ a peasant boy to run the church harmonium and keep that going up. And and dare I say, dare I say, it fits in with our organic remit. Yes, (laughs) there we are. You know, I think we're all agreed that the Hammond organ, whilst it might be electrified, it is... It's an acoustic instrument absolutely through and through. Yeah. Um, and it's an artisan instrument. It's one of those ones where actually it, it's got such a character to it in itself. It tells its own little story in its in its sound production. As you know, I mean, I'm very wary because it's so big and makes such a lot of noises. It's always like an old washing machine is going to explode any second on you. And, but I, I've got a feeling... Show you my ignorance. There's air moving through it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And mm. uh, whereas on the synth, there's no air moving through it, and and maybe that qualifies. Yeah, it. that's yeah, probably <laughs> does. Yeah, yeah. But the the thing that I love about the our approach to uh, acoustic music is that kind of as you both said, it makes us work harder. It makes us think differently, and I think that's yeah. really important. That actually, you know, a bunch of our songs you could easily do with just sort of a straightforward guitar, bass, drums, standard you know pop group if you like yeah. yeah but the thing that we've always that we always do to ourselves is we, what's the right thing to do on here that's different yeah yeah uh, we don't we don't just do things differently because we can it's always it's always about making the the world that we're in richer or more dark or more exquisite or we're always we're always trying to um, amplify, if you'll pardon the, the mm. pun. Too many puns going the, on here. <laughs> we're, we're always trying to increase the the effect of what we're adding by by playing by those rules. I think it means we really celebrate the nuances in the music, because one of the tools you have to use if you're uh, consigned to just acoustic instruments, light and shade. Yeah. You know, of which we, I think we use that quite a lot in our in our work. Yeah. Mm. You know. And f- for me personally, on the piano, you know, I spend most of my time playing electric pianos, where mm. you get a great sound and get the sense of there being a, a big acoustic um, range to it. But it's still all synthesized. It's all cre- it's, It yeah. might be sampled. It might be very well sampled, but it's still uh, created. Whereas mm. when we get to go to the studio playing a real piano and the just simple things that i'd never thought about until working with uh, the piano at woodworm really was the the sound of the pedal being depressed yeah plays a part in the sound of the piano yeah and i remember there was something we recorded one of the first things me and steve recorded thousand years ago there uh and i was going what's that noise stuart to stuart the engineer and he goes that's that's the piano i'm like yeah no that's the piano but what's that clunking sound i said that's the pedal and i was like Oh yeah, there's a there's there's a, there's mechanics in that pedal that mm. add to the the whole sound of the piano. Um, yeah. And when you push the pedal down and you release load of the strings, you get lots more ambient noise than yeah. when the pedal isn't. All there. those overtones, yeah. yeah. Before you've even played something, yeah, you can't get that from just recording a piano part on GarageBand. I mean, I'm sure Apple are working very hard to work out <laughs> how can how can oh, how you can, can. achieve that, but there, but you can't, you literally can't beat a real live piano. I think the other bit to the acoustic 
it, it is a fantasy, but it's a nice fantasy. Three guys turning up at a place and just playing, mm. not taking in the PA and the mixer. And I know it's fantasy, but it's a nice fantasy. It kind of goes back to the roots of what we're doing. That yes. We just sit down and play, you know, and I, that's part of it for me too. But I remember years ago, I was doing a gig in, it must have been in Paris, thinking about it, with a band, big old club venue, going on stage, all the power went off. Every, every bit of power in the place went off. The lights went out. All the PA went, all everything off. And we were literally about to start this gig. You know, <laughs> eight hundred people watching us, going right. What's what are they going to do now? This, this was Liz Green, um, who's a singer from Manchester. She's on sabbatical right now. She's not doing gigs and things. But she was like, "Well, what do we do?" And we were like, "We don't know." So she just started singing. She got a guitar and she started singing, uh, and she got people clapping along. And it was just, it wasn't a song that any of us had prepared. Um, mm-hmm. But just a song that she had in her head, and she got people, and she got eight hundred people singing and clapping along in the dark in this club in Paris. Yeah. Electricity be damned at that point. Yes. That was, you know, that boils down to the the power of acoustic music is that you, you it's about human beings connecting. I guess. And there'll be people in that audience will still remember that moment, Chris. Yeah, oh, yeah. it was it was it was spine tingling. Really, it was amazing. song to play well because i essentially get to just choose this bit myself uh and sometimes my reasoning isn't super strong and really does it have to be uh simply because this is one of our recent songs that i really love uh, and it includes a hammond organ which featured in our acoustic chat just now here we go our release from a couple of months ago it's called on a bridge across the river Across the river, said the weavers in the air were called on to deliver. A preacher who was calling out to let the Lord Lord in. You want to appreciate the cure you got? Gotta know the same. Good news. 
It's about a place I haven't been to yet, principally because it doesn't exist. Or if it exists, exists in the pieces of memory, sort of assembled together in a jigsaw that doesn't quite fit. It's the swamps, the world of the marsh and the delta and the swamp. I think it's come to mind this week because I've been reading the book where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens, a brilliant evocation of the marshes that join onto the sea in North Carolina. The idea of a place being swampy and a music being swampy is something that teases round the edges of my imagination more or less all the time I, I, I try and be creative. So what is this place? What is it about swampy? It's where the dark and the light meet and dance together. There are no edges or borders in a swamp, no horizons, no limits. It's a place that isn't. It isn't the sea and isn't the land. It's a place where people live in roughly made shacks, half on the land, half over the water with verandas on which an old rocking chair sits and a fishing line dangles in the water. It's heat and shade, a place where the incessant noise of modern life can't reach. It's light and shadows. It's a hiding place where you can make your own life or music. It's a place of monsters and mystery. There's a wonderful line of trashy horror films the swamp thing, the giant leeches, shadows in the swamp, and the little more upmarket Southern Comfort, directed by Walter Hill, with a marvellous score by Rai Kuda. I think I love the image and the place because it seems to be a place you can make your own rules and make your own music. To me, it's always had a sound. It's a sound that we've never quite nailed, but we've been trying to for 20 years. 
It's a sound that includes New Orleans and Cajun and rock and raikuda and even the music of Cuba. So what does Swampy sound like? <laughs> that's, that's difficult. Maybe it's Somewhere Down the Crazy River by Robbie Robertson, in which he follows the sound of the jukebox from up the levee down to fields that are empty and sits in the back of an abandoned 59 Chevy listening to Little Willie John. But hey, I'm not even sure that song's set in the swamps themselves. It mentions Kokomo, which is in Indiana. But that's the point of Swampy. It's a sound, it's a sense, it's a state of mind. We've been trying to write Swampy songs for a long time. I think we're getting close. We are getting close in some of our new music. Waiting on the storm definitely has the air of the swamp about it. But, you know, way back, Chris was playing some lazy, wonderful chords in fifths on the piano. And we captured them, and that song became the last minute of forever, which is probably as swampy as life can be. They were the good times The times of shooting stars When the smile across a crowded room Said, hey boy, don't you go too far You were the one Play the game of chance 
our hearts in a crazy world We're living in a trance You were the one You were the one But this world for that track. Uh, it was released by Stephen Mai's old band, Dr. Big Love, uh, years ago. Um, so there was Sammy Carter on vocals there, uh, Dave Greenland and Dave Burgess on flugelhorn slash trumpet. I can't remember exactly who played what on this album now, but they on this whole album they were both playing trumpet and probably I think both playing flugel at one point. Anyway, uh, Chris Birch on trombone, our old pal Tim Gadsby on bass, Ben Adcock on drums, uh, and me, I'm doodling around on piano and vocals and percussion and stuff there. Steve, noodling around on guitar and lead vocals there. Um, and as it happens, this song has just been re-released into the world on Spotify, etc. Um, the album is called The uh, The Naked Juggler by Dr. Big Love, if you want to check it out. You know, if you Google for it, you'll find it on Spotify, Apple Music, all the, all the usual places. <laughs> Hello again and welcome to Kev's Cafe Corner. This week, dear listeners, we're going to head to uh, the city of Genoa in Italy, a place I've visited many times over the years. And it's a lovely, lovely city, very vibrant and a lot of history there. And uh, one time when I was there, I was wandering around the uh, old, old part of the town through the old alleyways and back streets. And on a particular day in the week, I don't know which day it was, but they, they set up a lot of sort of market stalls, uh, semi-temporary, and uh, they sort of clog the, 
the already narrow streets and people bustling around them and with all sorts of wares. And one time I found this record store hidden away in the uh, in the back streets of Genoa and it supplied me with a couple of real nice what I considered rarities really at the time <coughs> records I wasn't aware of uh, CDs and one of them was by Gail Ann Dorsey the superb bass player singer that's probably best known for playing with Bowie but I discovered her earlier on when she released her debut solo album The Corporate World on Warner Brothers and really really loved her playing and her writing and her singing uh, and I discovered in this little store um, her second album called Rude Blue which I hadn't been aware of its existence and she'd signed to Ireland Records signed by Ireland's Chris Blackwell in fact to record this album and that was a real beauty um, not least because it featured a a superb version of Dave Mason's Feeling Alright um, but just the fact that I discovered she'd recorded a second album which I hadn't been aware of so that was a great discovery and also um, an oddity that I also had never heard of called the New, New York Rock and Soul Review and this was a live concert from Madison Square Garden and it, 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 the cover sort of piqued my interest I turned it over and looked on the back and it was a veritable who's who. I mean, Donald Fagan, Michael McDonald, Boz Skaggs, Phoebe Snow. An incredible list of musicians. And I bought this album and it really is one of the finest live concerts I've ever heard. It was worth the price of admission just for Phoebe Snow's version of At Last. It was quite incredible. Um, and it was just amazing to find these things uh, in the back streets of an Italian city. Uh, and for, you know, a very fair price, I might add. Um, and that's another thing that I, I just love, the, the surprises that these places throw up. Firstly, just discovering a, a little record store hidden away like that. And secondly, the reward for you taking your time to rummage through every single box they have there. Because quite often you can be looking through 100 CDs until you find one of worth for your, for your own taste. But it is worth that effort. It's it's worth looking for the needle in in the oral haystack. So that's um, yeah, that was a really nice, really nice day out in Genoa, record hunting. Um, whether I continue this uh, series of of record shop discoveries, dear listener, I'm not sure. We shall see. But uh, there will be a Kev's Cafe Corner next week, and I'll be talking about something. Take it easy. <music> Bishop's Daily Bread entry this week is a stone-cold recipe. There's no two ways about it. Uh, I'm channeling my very best inner Nigella here. If this isn't your bag, you know, skip ahead a couple of minutes. Um, I made a massive crumpet-based breakthrough recently, uh, and I've shared it with just about anyone who happened to ask how any baking was going, uh, and so now I am sharing it with you, just in case. How to make crumpets. Uh, now, you need fresh baking powder. That's what I've learned in recent months. Fresh baking powder 
instant yeast that's you know recent enough um, i'm specifically not saying fresh yeast as that's something else uh, and it's not something i've ever explored myself i'm sure you can make crumpets with fresh yeast but i don't know how to um, oh, and also make sure you order yourself a nice set of non-stick crumpet rings from the internet. The set I ordered work an absolute treat uh, and very reasonably priced. So this recipe actually does double up quite nicely as well. But for six crumpets, you need 150 grams of plain flour, 200 mils of water, uh, and half a teaspoon of salt. Put that into a bowl or a large jug. Now whisk it for five minutes. The original recipe I'm working from, uh, <coughs> Warburton's, <coughs> um, made jokes about doing it until your arm hurts. Ha ha ha. And I'm like, hello, I'll use an electric whisk, thanks. So, five minutes of whisking with um, an electric whisk, or manually if you so desire. Um, you know, I set a timer, because obviously I set a timer. Um, after five minutes, add half a teaspoon of sugar, one teaspoon of baking powder, and one teaspoon of instant yeast. And whisk that together for another 30 seconds. So now cover this bowl or jug uh, and leave it to rest in a warm place for 15 minutes. I actually left mine for... 30 minutes last time, and it was just fine. Uh, and that's your batter made. Next, heat a, a pan on low-medium heat uh, and put your crumpet rings in it. Spray them with a little oil. Use a ladle to drop enough batter into the rings to fill sort of, I guess, half full, maybe just under half full, but only just. It's probably around... 60 grams of um, of batter or so. Now I found that at a low medium heat, 8 minutes was just about spot on for getting them cooked all the way through. By the end of my first double batch of making crumpets, I literally dropped the batter into the rings, set a timer for 8 minutes and went and sat down for the duration. Um, they look after themselves really. Um, for the real keen beans, i.e. me, uh, I actually would spend um, between minute 7 and minute 8 with a, a very sharp knife quietly popping any of the big bubbles on top of each crumpet because you know and this is the vital thing for me they've got to have the holes on the top they've just got to so that the butter can melt into the crumpets that's the point of a crumpet uh, anyway so a few bubble poppings um the tops edging ever nearer to to set after those eight minutes, uh, but perhaps not quite fully set yet. Um, the bottoms are brown and nice and crispy. It's also essential in my book. So once the tops are very nearly done, I, I whip the rings off with some cooking tongs. The rings will be hot. Uh, and just flip the crumpets over for 30 seconds of just finishing the top off. And because I've already popped the bubbles and ensured that there are holes, this flip and finish just makes sure that the batter is all cooked at the top. But you've still got the holes, Previous attempts I've made with the, the flip have just, you know, cooked the holes up, covered them up. Um, not the ideal crumpet that I was aiming for. Anyway, 30 seconds off the heat uh, and onto a rack to cool. There you go, crumpets made. Toast, butter, perhaps some delicious jam or honey uh, for a savoury spin. Some nice cheddar cheese and a quick couple of minutes under the grill to melt. Perhaps a dollop of nice red onion chutney to go with it for a lovely lunch. Crumpets, yes actually remarkably easy to make once you've got a good recipe uh, and so so delicious highly recommended and that's it that's the segment this week bishop's daily bread finally delivers an actual recipe enjoy <music> 
that's it for this week. Thanks for listening, wherever in the world you are. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts. The next episode will be out next Friday. Join us on YouTube for the Transatlantic Connection show and become part of the Transatlantic Connection movement. Head to youtube.com slash thevagabondway. All of our music is available on Bandcamp, where you can help support a positive ecosystem for the music industry. Download, streaming, vinyl, CDs, it's all there. Thevagabondway.bandcamp.com we're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash thevagabondway. Big thank you to our Patreons and a special shout out to Orla Flynn, James Lydon, Stuart Lydon, Yvette Lydon and Trish Taylor. Thank you for your ongoing support. Patreon is a great platform that makes it super easy for anyone out there, you, to support content that you love on a monthly basis. It gives you direct access to the people creating the stuff you love, us, hopefully, and you get to play an integral part in shaping the direction of the things that we make. So, become a Vagabonder. That's our name for our supporters on Patreon to help us create music, live performances, books and short stories, this weekly podcast, our YouTube show, and some new things that we're cooking up. As a Vagabonder, you can get the recordings and books we make for free, receive exclusive Patreon-only merchandise in the post, get regular behind-the-scenes updates from us, unlock access to exclusive livestream performances and Q&As, and lots more. You can help us create something different, something that entertains, and something that inspires others. So, join us on the journey and release The Vagabond Within, patreon.com slash thevagabondway. Thank you once again, brave adventurers, vagabonds and explorers, for joining us on The Vagabond Way. Remember, the world isn't beige. It's authentic, it's rich, and it's real. Embrace every last bit of it. Until next time, the journey goes ever on with The Long Road. Bye for now. (laughs) 